Hello, Louisiana. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Wednesday, September 18th of 2019. Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Farm to school programs are expanding here in Louisiana and nationwide. We'll talk more about that with USDA Deputy Undersecretary for Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services, Brandon Lips, coming up later in the podcast. But first, here's a look at news headlines. Positive trade news coming out of Washington, D.C. this week. First up, U.S. and Chinese trade negotiators meet tomorrow to kick off new talks in Washington with hopes of crafting a new trade agreement between the two nations. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue. It's good news that China's coming back to town, that we are continuing to talk about that. We know they need agricultural products. They import from all around the world, and we want them to be a good customer, but we want them to play by the rules that everyone else has to play by. This week's talks are expected to set the stage for high-level U.S.-Chinese trade negotiations early in October. In another positive trade development, we have a trade deal with Japan that should be signed soon, leveling the playing field for U.S. agricultural exports to Japan. Rod Bain reports from Washington. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue, speaking before members of the Fresh Produce Industry Wednesday, recalled his own reaction and the reaction of many in the ag sector when news broke last month from the Group of Seven Economic Summit in France. We were happy on the announcement from Japan where President Trump at the G7 announced principal agreement. A trade deal that would lower tariffs on U.S. ag exports entering into the Japanese marketplace. And earlier this week, President Trump informed Congress of his intent to sign the deal. Speculation remains on when the president and his Japanese counterpart would put their signatures to the agreement. Both sides previously mentioned next week's United Nations General Assembly meetings as a target signing date, a time frame Secretary Purdue is hopeful will occur. The 23rd or 24th this month, we hope that agreement with Japan, a major customer, will be signed there in New York. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. September is National Rice Month, and Louisiana farmers are celebrating this week with events across the state. Yesterday, farmers and rice mills in southwest Louisiana made a donation to the Second Harvest Food Bank in Crowley. Alan Lawson is president of the Acadiana Rice Growers Association and vice president of the Louisiana Rice Growers Association. We're making a donation of about 15,000 pounds of rice uh, sponsored by some of the local mills and uh, local producers that have donated to the Second Harvest Food Bank. Because it gets our product out, it's nutritious, it's wholesome, it's, um, it's safe, good food, it feeds a lot of people. Uh, one pound of rice can feed 50 servings, so it, um, it, it, it gets a lot, of, a lot of nutrition to a lot of people in need. Louisiana 5th District Congressman Ralph Abraham was also on hand for the donation. He says it's a win-win situation for everyone involved. We are highlighting the character and the quality and the uniqueness of our Louisiana culture. We've got Second Harvest receiving rice donations from our growers. Good Louisiana people helping those that are less fortunate. 
but it also promotes our Louisiana rights. It promotes our culture. It's a, who we are as a people, this is what this is about. So it's, it's a win, 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 win situation, and I'm just glad to be a small part of it. Other activities to recognize Rice Month include a rice cook-off in Lake Charles today, and there will be another rice donation made to the food bank in Monroe tomorrow. This is National Farm Safety and Health Week, highlighting the importance of health and safety on the farm. Michael Clements has more. The American Farm Bureau Federation is celebrating National Farm Safety and Health Week as a way to promote safe farming practices. Maggie Good, AFBF Assistant Director of Member Engagement, says the theme of this year's National Farm Safety and Health Week is shift farm safety into high gear. It's putting a focus on the importance of safety on the farm as well as our rural roadways. This week really serves as a reminder that it's everyone's responsibility to prioritize and address health and safety concerns in agricultural communities and that we really need to take health and safety out of the back seat and make it a co-pilot when we're on the farm. Good says participating in National Farm Safety and Health Week is easy. The Farm Bureau Safety and Health Network will be sharing resources with our county and state farm bureaus and joining in on the conversation on social media. The National Education Center for Agriculture Safety has made this easy with social media ready posts on topics such as confined spaces, opioid use, and working with youth while on the farm. She adds webinars scheduled this week will address farm safety topics. The AgriSafe Network has created a series of free webinars that are really easy to register for and anyone can join and these webinars will be going with the theme of the week to talk about preventing agricultural injuries, tractor safety, and some tips for women who are working on the farm. Visit agrisafe.org for webinar registration and follow Farm Bureau on social media for more resources. Michael Clements, Washington. Sugar mills are cranking up and sugarcane harvest is kicking off here in Louisiana, starting a process that will run into January of next year. Iberville Parish cane grower Cecil Ramagas says his cane got off to a slow start this year. This crop started out, um, it was really slow, and actually it was slow up until about a, three or four weeks ago. But a couple of well-timed rains allowed the crop to catch up. Well, the first week of August, it was really short. It was almost to the point where it was too short. And we pushed through it, and we got a rain after about the first week, week and a half. And since then, it has taken a good growth. Ramagas says he will start hauling cane to the mill next week. That is a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. Remember, you can always check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com. We update it every weekday with the latest news and happenings in Louisiana agriculture. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to our daily e-newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice. Just click the button in the homepage, fill out your name and email address, and we'll send The Daily Voice right to your inbox every weekday morning at 5 a.m. Now let's look at the markets on The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. The soybean market closed lower today while the corn and wheat markets both moved higher. Brian Hoops is a market analyst with Midwest Market Solutions. You know, we're just kind of uh, very choppy type markets, lower overnight, starting to firm up a little bit, led higher by the wheat market. Wheat is uh, finding a little support that Egypt is out there tendering in two different tenders for some wheat, and it's very unlikely the U.S. is going to get any of this business. I'm looking at... uh, 
orders and offers from France and, and Russia being the cheapest in the world. I think that's where that wheat's going to end up being sourced out of. But just the fact that Egypt is taking some supplies off of the world market, I think, is a little friendly factor here. November soybeans down 5, 8.88 and 3 quarters. January beans down 5, 9.02 and a quarter. December corn was up 3 and a quarter, 3.71 and a quarter. March corn up 2 and a half, closing at 3.82 and a half. July wheat up 5, closing at 5.03 and 3 quarters. We've seen some good support in the rough rice market as we've moved into the fall. Mark Tall is a rice marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Well, the futures market is basically unchanged with November around 1231 to a high of 1236 and a half. Back on July 29th, we traded at a high of 1252 on November contract. It would really be nice to hit that mark again and break through that level. The last Iraq tender went to South America. Rest assured, uh, we will have another tender from Iraq closer to the end of the year, and hopefully it will be a U.S. tender only. The cash market on long grain 6270 number two is still trading at 1173 FOB, the form, a 1204 delivered elevator. Harvesting is winding down, just a few fields left to harvest. Uh, if we continue to miss these showers, we'll get harvested done. November rice up three and a half, closing at 1231. January rice up four and a half, closing at 1248. November sugar lost one point, finishing the day at 25.50 cents. Now with a look at the cotton market, here's Don Molino. Cotton futures down in the front months on Wednesday. Crude oil is down another 2.5% after the Saudis indicated they would fill in missing crude oil production from reserves. The Cadillac index up 5 points on September 17th at 73.70 a pound. The weekly average world price is 52.28, effective through today. At New York Wednesday afternoon, October cotton 59.50 down 62. New crop December 60.41 down 97. March 61.17 down 69. The spot market price 60.50 down 88. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Cattle futures ended the day higher. October live cattle up a dollar two, one hundred dollars thirty-seven cents. October feeder cattle up a dollar ten, closing at one thirty-eight forty. USDA's Farm to School program funds projects that connect school children to the farm. We'll talk more about that with USDA Undersecretary for Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services Brandon Lips. He's in New Orleans this week, and we caught up with him. We'll have that conversation coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. What comes out of the ground creates energy and has been a major contributor to Louisiana's economy for over two centuries? No, it's not oil. It's sugar. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane. Ever since the Jesuits began cultivating sugar in colonial Louisiana, this sweet crop has had a major impact on our economic well-being. Each year, our sugarcane industry creates an economic boon of nearly $3 billion for the Bayou State. This vital business engine supports fuel and fertilizer distributors, tractor and automotive dealerships, supermarkets, and more than 15,000 Louisiana jobs. The sugar industry also benefits research universities and schools, banks, and insurance agencies. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane. The Louisiana sugarcane industry. 
helping empower the people of Louisiana for more than 220 years. Louisiana Sugar, making life sweeter, naturally. The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Our guest today is USDA Deputy Undersecretary for Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services, Brandon Lips. Brandon, I know you're in New Orleans today. How are things going down there for you? They're going great, Kerry. Having uh, nice weather here in Louisiana, a little bit warmer than D.C., but very enjoyable. Well, you mentioned you are in Louisiana. That's why I wanted to talk to you today. Tell me about what you have going on today here in our state. Sure. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It's good to be down here. Uh, we run a program. We run all of the school lunch and school breakfast programs throughout the nation. They're obviously local run, locally run by the school district, but we fund those and uh, help schools get that done from there in Washington, D.C. And we have a wonderful program called the Farm to School Program which Congress has funded to provide uh, money to schools and farmers and uh, groups that pull them together to get fresh uh, farm products into the school program and to provide education to kids on what's going on uh, on the farm. It's a wonderful program, wonderful opportunity. We're having our national conference, and I'm speaking there in the morning. Well, you know, it's more important than ever, Brandon, that we continue to make the connection with young children and the farm because, you know, most children today are two, three, maybe even four generations removed from the farm, and it's important that they understand where their food comes from. It doesn't come from Walmart. That's right, Carrie. I was actually just visiting with the uh, the uh, individual here in the state of Louisiana who's over the school program, John Dupuy, and we were talking about just between his and I's generation and our kids, how far we've come. His son was asking if if uh, they weren't on Netflix, could they uh, just put the DVD in? And he was trying to explain to them what happened when you didn't have DVD or Netflix. And unfortunately, we're in the same place on the farm. I grew up in a very small town called uh, Woodson, Texas. It was about 263 people and my extended family farms up there. And uh, I'm now raising my kids in D.C. And my wife and I struggle with the difference in how to do that and even with our kids to connect them back to the farm. Uh, so it's a very important issue. And I'm really glad that we at at USDA have the opportunity to help schools connect farmers directly to their children. Now, when we say farm to school programs, Brandon, what exactly are we talking about? Give me some examples of some farm to school activities or farm to school programs that we may have here in Louisiana. Sure. It's a grant program. Uh, and, you know, it's it's great in the, in the opportunity that we have to give those to schools and, and groups that connect them to farms to bring uh, farm products in or teach kids about agriculture. And because it's a grant, there's a lot of flexibility in that. So I'll tell you, I've been uh, school in San Antonio, Texas, had a, a very large farm there on site. Somebody donated them some land and I, and kids were out working that farm while I was there. And uh, some of those kids had chosen to go into, uh, even in, in junior high, chosen to go into careers in agriculture, biology, um, plant science, that type of stuff. So it's not only changing what kids see in their lunchroom, but what they're seeing out on the farm. I visited uh, Burlington, Vermont. You might imagine it's a little different scenario, but uh, almost every school in that town has a little farm where they're growing products that they consume in the lunchroom, and the kids are helping out in that program. 
it uh, brings local farm products into the school, so it benefits the local farm economy around and really just about everything in between. And part of what we at the Food and Nutrition Service are doing here in Louisiana um, this week is helping our new grantees this year get technical assistance on how they can use those funds to most benefit you know, both the lunchroom, the farmers that they're connecting with, and most of all the kids that we're all serving. Well, according to some of the numbers that I've seen, uh, about a third of the schools in Louisiana do participate in some type of farm-to-school activities. That equates to about 280,000 students and about uh, 10.5, maybe $11 million invested into this local food farm-to-school movement. So it's definitely something that it is big enough to have an impact. That's right, uh, Carrie. It is. Um, it's Congress is investing more money in this program every year because the members of Congress are seeing the same thing that I see when I go visit the school is the difference that it's making in those kids. And, you know, we have a lot of discussion about the school meal standards and, and particularly um, our administration. The secretary is very interested in giving the local school food service directors some flexibility. They look those kids in the eyes every day and they want to make sure that they're getting healthy food, but certainly food that those kids will eat. But I will tell you anecdotally, if you go visit these school schools that have farm-to-school programs, um, these types can make bigger changes in kids' healthy choices in life than all the regulations that we can provide. And so this is just a wonderful opportunity to bring all that together for kids to learn about farming and to learn about their foods and to make healthy choices as they grow throughout life. Well, and USDA is definitely stepping up to the plate, as you mentioned, members of Congress as well backing this. I saw a news release recently that said that USDA announced record-breaking funding for 2019 for farm-to-school grants. So this is something that is getting a lot of support out of Washington. Yes, sir, it is. And I think it will continue to do so. And people are getting buy-in on this. This is something, you know, I grew up on a farm, and and when I went to work in D.C. the first time um, on the Hill, uh, we everybody wasn't rallied around this in the way that they are now, but uh, farmers can see that this is an opportunity for people in urban communities and rural communities alike to learn what it's like to farm the difficulties that uh, your audience struggles with every day in trying to produce the food for this country. Um, and around the world, both on the local level um, and, and all those who hunger around the world. It's an important job and important for, for people to know. I'll, I'll give you a bit of my preview for my speech tomorrow, but um, we were in D.C. for four years, and we moved back um, to Lubbock, Texas for a bit, and I had a two-year-old at the time, and we went to the South Plains Fair out there, and uh, they had a little petting zoo, and so we took the kids over, and my, my two-year-old ran over and said, Daddy, look at that puppy. And I looked over there and it was a goat. And that's when that's when my wife and I realized that we had failed on uh, raising our kids in the urban area. And so, uh, you know, that stuck in my mind as uh, this gap in the generation that you and I talked about earlier in this conversation. But farm to school really can help with that. And it's important for kids to know where their food comes from and that we not lose that as people get further from the farm generation after generation. Brandon, anything you want to add here at the last minute to wrap things up? I really appreciate you having us on uh, to talk to your audience. I think it's important for uh, farmers to know what we're doing both in D.C. and, and out in the countryside. Um, what they do every day producing um, this food is important for all Americans. And, and, uh, and we at USDA, as we administer all the many programs that we administer in the food space, SNAP, school lunch, and this farm-to-school program, are doing everything we can to make sure that all Americans appreciate what farmers are doing to get that uh, food out. Secretary Purdue tells us to do right and feed everyone, and we appreciate your partnership in helping us get that done. 
USDA Deputy Undersecretary for Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services, Brandon Lips. Brandon, be careful down there in New Orleans now. We will. we got good folks taking care of us, but it's good to be here and appreciate you having us on. And that is the Wednesday edition of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We'll be back with you tomorrow, but in the meantime, be sure to connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at Voice of LA Ag. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.